On this episode of Fish's Call Sheet, we have lead set decorator and interior designer, Kevin Grace, joining us. Kevin, welcome to the show. Hello, and thank you. I am so excited to be here. As we've kind of mentioned to each other leading up to this, kind of a jack of all trades, so am I. We've done a lot of different things. I guess we should start with what your kind of official title is at the current time. All right, so right now, uh, I am sort of the, the lead set decorator and uh, one of the heads of the art department at the Kelly Clarkson Show here at Universal uh, NBC. Uh, we have just started our second season. We were, we were freshmen last year and we were very well received, so that's great. We won some Emmys and I myself won an Emmy last year, so I am now an Emmy winner. Congratulations. Thank you. I did not see it coming. It came out of nowhere. I was, I was floored that we were even nominated as a freshman TV show. And there's a lot of hardworking people out there doing what I'm doing. So I was really surprised that we got nominated. And then um, when we won, I actually thought it, that people were joking when they started calling me. I was like, wait, really? We won? Because, you know, it's a crazy time. It's 2020. It's I mean, it wasn't like we were at the Emmy Awards show and, you know, we were in a tuxedos and everything. I was just sitting in my, my yard drinking some sort of a glass of wine or something. I was having something to drink, I'm sure. People submit and the nominations kind of come and, and you're not really anticipating that, right? And then all of a sudden, right. there's so many great people. Then all of a sudden, you're nominated, right? And, and then I think it's natural for, for most people to be like, wow, that's a good achievement. But, you know, you, you go on with your work, right? <laughs> Exactly. I mean, just being even being nominated, like I said, we were blown out of the water because we were so new and we were such babies and we hadn't even finished our first season. You know, everything sort of shut down mid-March and we hadn't even finished our, our, our first season. And so, you know, to be acknowledged like that is just super cool. I'm, I'm just blessed. I've been in the nominated category, but what's it like to win? What is that um, like? Tell me what it's like to have that reaction. <laughs> okay. So, I mean... Of course, I was like, dang, man, like this is the year that there's no actual ceremony. Like how cool would that have been? But I also chalk it up as it's fine. The next time I'm nominated next year and win, it'll be a whole different story. You know, it's crazy. I haven't actually even gotten the statue yet. I get it. I think next week it finally comes. It's, I don't know why it takes so long, but apparently it does. Um, so heads up to anybody who uh, is thinking that it just shows up. It doesn't. It takes a while. Months, in fact. You know, honestly, Michael, I, I think I won't really feel it till I have it. Yeah. Like, you know, inside my head, I know it. And I have a lot of friends and coworkers that like to uh, sort of give me some crap about, you know, all right, well, you're an Emmy winner now. So, of course, you know, you think you know everything. Um, and sometimes I do. But um, I think that once I actually have that statue, that's when I'll be able to really feel like, like it's happened, but it's cool. I will just say it's cool. On the production design side, I, I built a bunch of the sets and put together a bunch of things for a sports show one time and we got nominated for a sports Emmy. And you know, all the years working in front of the camera and the high profile stuff I did, it's such a weird feeling to get nominated. You know, the idea when you win is like, it's gotta be electric, but I, I, I'm with you until it's in your hand, until you're, until it's there, you know, you know, there's a there there, but it's right. It's different when it when it's yours, right? <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah. But you know, you know that I have a place for it. Like you know, <laughs> it's the one thing everyone asks you, like, where where are you going to put it? Where are you going to put it? And I was like, I know exactly where it's going to go. I don't want it to be like front and center because I don't want to be that guy. But I want it to be somewhere in my house where like 
as you're walking to use the restroom, you may pass by a room where it's sitting. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> like it, it's there, but it's just not in your face, but you'll know it's there. <laughs> well, you earn your way here. Let, let's get into that. How did this journey begin for you? What, oh. what brought you to this business? It was never, it was never a plan. It was sort of an accident. I worked in fashion for like 25 years and um, traveled all over the country, worked for some really great global brands and I kind of got burnt out sometime like right after I turned 40, I just got burnt out. I kind of had reached my peak career wise and um, I was traveling all the time and I wanted to try something new. And, you know, a friend of mine said, you know, you've always been doing interior design for people for free. Why don't you go back to school and become an interior designer? I was like, oh man, I'm too old to go back to school. I don't want to go back to school. Like, that's crazy. How else can I do this without going back to school? And then that same friend, suggested that, you know, maybe it would make sense if I went on like a reality TV show and built a brand that way. And I was like, that is the craziest thing ever. It could maybe work. And I went and apply, applied for a reality competition show on HGTV called Design Star. Lo and behold, I didn't think I would get it because I didn't have any sort of formal training or background or worked for a big company. And that's, of course, what they asked to bring to the table. And I was like, I don't have any of this. But um, I got booked. I got booked on the show. Went to Brooklyn for five weeks and filmed this reality show. And I ended up doing pretty good on it. Came back to Chicago and sort of launched this design business, which um, at the same time the show was launching. And so I was getting sort of local recognition and people were calling and I was getting all these. And, and by the way, I didn't have a portfolio or a website. So I started taking jobs for free in the beginning. Yeah. I just needed to build a portfolio and, and put, build something that could be on a website. So I just, you know, people were calling and asking. I was like, yeah, actually, I'll do it for free. If you've got a decent budget, let's do something fun. And that's kind of just how I started. That sort of led to me getting gigs on local TV to do like design segments on morning shows. And oddly enough, over the course of like a year and a half to two years, I worked my way um, over to the Steve Harvey show, which was being filmed in Chicago, and they were building an art team. They thought that I would be a good fit for their art team, as well as possibly doing some uh, on-air camera stuff on the show. Lo and behold, season three, I jumped on Steve's show, and Steve Harvey and I connected and um, sort of built a great working relationship. I stayed on with him for two more seasons in Chicago. And then when he was, uh, and he started using me on his show for design segments and stuff, which was totally cool. So then my business was booming and, and my, my job at the Steve Harvey show was growing. And then he said, hey, listen, I think I'm moving my show to LA. Would you consider moving to LA? And I was like, man, I'm a, I'm a Chicago boy. Like, I don't know if I could do it. And then I remembered that I had been a Chicago guy my whole life. I've done all those winters. And I thought, okay, you know what, I'm getting a little older. Maybe now's the time to make the change. So I came out to LA four years ago, worked uh, uh, for the last two years as the creative director for uh, the Steve show here in LA. And then when that left and went to Atlanta last year, I got the call to come over, join the team and help head up the art department here at the Kelly Clarkson show. And that is how it all happened. Isn't it amazing the, the synchronicity, the way that one thing leads to another, when you follow your passion, I'll do it for free. There's a bunch of times in my life where I'm like, hey, I'll work on that production or, or I'll help you make that happen because I want to invest in your dream. You're like, I'll, I'll help you do that for free 
because I want to be a part of this experience. And then you, you look up and you're like, wow, this led to something crazy. Totally. And you know, and I, you know, I've said to a lot of, a lot of people have asked me about my journey, a lot of younger people. And I said, you, you have to, you have to do those, those jobs that sometimes don't pay anything in order to get your foot in the door. You know, especially in this business, this business is all about people that, you know, you know, I wouldn't have come out to LA if I didn't, build this relationship and this friendship with, with Mr. Harvey. And so that's what really brought me out here and started opening up doors here for me. And it is about who you know, but you've got to be willing to just do whatever. You know that, you know, you sometimes you just got to take what you can take in order to meet that next person who might then say, hey, listen, by the way, I've got this other project that's coming up. I think you'd be great for it. You know? Yeah, people transition all the time. I think that's the other thing is you can be in a box, but especially for somebody like you who's really creative and has multiple sides of your personality, obviously, that you're expressing in different ways. Coming from a fashion background, right? You have an awareness of what things are going to look like in space, right? That helps yeah. with the design portion of what you're doing. You have an, an idea of some of the things that other people are going for. All of these pieces have empowered you in some other way, right? You, you don't yes. lose any of those skills. You just learn how to use them in a new way. Absolutely. You build upon them. Yeah. And I learned how to edit for a friend of mine who literally called me up and said, I know you're, you're writing and directing and doing stuff and, and you're passionate about this, but if you don't know how to edit, you're going to be limited. And he said, I have an editing bay, but I don't have anybody to use it. You want to come learn how to edit and See? edit my stuff for me. And I'm like, I'm like, okay. And I went in and I, I was all about learning kind of a better way to do it on a program that I was used to. And he's like, no, 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 this is where the business is going. So you need to learn the new one. If you're going to learn, he totally changed my perception of it. And that's what I edit on all the time. And I just directed an episode of the Connors and they sent me stuff. And I was that's so cool. Good yeah. for you. Well, I, you know, it's one of those things expanding like you know expand yeah. expand don't get stagnant always keep growing always keep yes. looking for stuff and and that's where the excitement is and what we do is when you go to work it's not the same every day right you don't right. know what you're going to see every time 100% that's really cool though that you've moved into that uh, i'm glad to hear that you've you've moved into that realm cuz that's that's really, that's, that's so cool. I'm good for you, man. Good for you. Yeah, I've been so close to the crew, you know, and that's kind of where the, the genesis of this show yep. kind of began is realizing all the amazing things and all the amazing people and what they do and really trying to recognize that. But it was so awesome as a director to get to collaborate in a different way and get to lead and empower the people that I knew, I knew what their skills were because of mm -hmm. our relationship and, and to watch everybody kind of jump in and really enjoy the, the experience. That yeah. was the best part. I, I love that you're doing what you're doing, even like with this podcast, it's really bringing like the behind the scenes people to light and, you know, and what we do, because you're right, the behind the scenes people, the, the crew, man, it's, listen, it's a lesson I learned when I did that reality show because I, you know, TV was new to me. Somebody gave me the best advice ever and they said, make everybody behind the camera your friend. Don't make friends with the other um, castmates. Contestants. Make friends with everybody behind the scenes because they can make your life either a pleasure or they can make it hell. The lighting team, if they like you, are going to make sure that you're taken care of from a lighting. It, 
audio is going to take care of you when it comes to they'll turn it off when you go to the bathroom or they'll leave it on when you're in the bathroom. Like, you know, these are the people who have the power, right? right. Yeah. Um, and if you are a good guy, you portray yourself the way that you, who you are, if you are a good person, um, right. you'll be, it'll even get edited the right way. And if you're kind of an asshole and let me, and I'm sorry, I don't know if I can even no, say you're that. Good. You're good. Okay. So <laughs> you know, we, had, we had some people who were kind of jerk faces, right? And it's not that they were edited. I mean, they were edited exactly how they were, but they were hoping that it would get cleaned up and, you know. I'm sure word got back to the editors like, no, leave it in, leave it how they are because that's who they are. So, you know what? Take care of your your crew, man. That's what I always say. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a firm believer in that. Now, in this role for you, what is the best part? What's the part that gets you excited? Show to show, week to week. So, I, what I love is that it changes every show. So, we tape, generally, we tape six shows a week, right? Can I jump in there? People yeah. don't realize on talk shows, your schedule's crazy because six shows a week for most people, like people don't understand. You don't just roll in and do six shows a week. Your world changes every day for six, six times a week. Yep, absolutely. So you've got to be the whole week before you've got to be prepping for what's happening next week while you're doing this week. So you've got to be able to multitask and, and everybody has to know their position and what they do and what, they're in charge of so that everybody's everyone's got their place and you know if you've got a well-oiled machine which i do here i'm so blessed and so lucky to have such a great little team and we're only a team of five i mean we're a tiny little team for something that we pull off so big every day uh twice a day uh, i'm just blessed because we do we all have our our part that we play and the piece that we're in charge of and everybody does an amazing job but what i love about it is every day there's something new and something fresh. To work on a show like this that has live music every single day, and then we have bands that come in all the time and musicians, um, more so last season, but we're slowly getting back into it now this season, now that we're starting to understand how to work with COVID and how to still try to make the show as normal as possible for everybody. Um, but just the fact that I, I, have, I have great bosses, I have a great team, Every day, there's something new and fresh that has to be created. And we do it, we make it happen, and then we tear it down and we make something new again. And it's either for the next show in the afternoon or it's for the next day. But I love that. And it, it's just, every day it changes. And for someone like myself and my team, we're, we're creative people. Like the fact that we get to recreate every single day, we get to play, essentially, yeah. and get paid for it. Um, and then sometimes get... Emmy Awards for it too. So, you know, there's that. It's amazing, right? Like the passion of what we get to do. If you if you have that passion, you don't lose it, right? Like right. you, you right. go into work, sometimes you don't get to play as much or you don't get to be as creative. Right. Day in and day out, we get to do something that's so unique yeah. in that way. And it's magical in that way because you look at stuff and you go, I'm not sure how I'm gonna pull that off yet, mm -hmm. but here's what I'm thinking, right? right. Exactly. Well, listen, that is every day. I think I have that. I'm like, I don't know how we're going to do this, but we're going to figure it out. <laughs> and then you're like, the show's happening. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, we'll get presented like, you know, we have to, last week we had to film a Halloween show. Well, we had to rebuild the whole set so that it had like a, a feel for the, our Halloween theme. Then we had to tear that down and reset it for a regular show in a matter of three hours. And they're big sets. I mean, they're like, you know, they're walls and, you know, they're big sets. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we did it. And 
again, that was that conversation the week before. It's like, oh man, I don't know how we're going to do it, how we're going to get this set built and then tear it down and then put back the regular set and do another show. But you know what? We'll figure it out and we'll do it. Now, what's the most challenging part? What's the part that people either don't understand or that you wish people would come maybe with a little more patience and understanding? There's nothing, there's nothing challenging in a bad way, but I will say that, you know, what is happening now for us with, with COVID is that there are a lot of new rules and regulations in terms of like when things can be brought to the lot and when it can get used on set and when it can go on set. So, you know, there were some things that would show up the morning of a show and, you know, we'd bring it right onto set and we'd be ready to go and you know, do some rehearsal and here we go. Well, now that's not a thing anymore. So now we have to like schedule things that come onto the lot a day or two before, and then it has to be quarantined or it has to be sprayed down. And that's been sort of the trickiest thing for us as a team to sort of get our heads wrapped around the fact that it can't be last minute. It's gotta be, it's gotta be even more planned out than it was before. And, and we can do that, but can everybody else adapt to that? So like the shops that are building it or, you know, the delivery company that's bringing it, it's like you used to be able to look at an Amazon delivery and say, okay, it says it could be here for on Tuesday for Wednesday show, but you can't really rely on that anymore because even that's taking longer. So people, producers or whatever will say, um, well, can't we get that? It says on Amazon, it'll be here by Tuesday. I'm like, yeah, but you we can't count on that now. So if it doesn't, we got to have a backup plan. You know, there's a whole nother layer that we have to sort of think about for every show. So that's been a bit of a challenge. So it's not like it's a like a bad thing or a mean thing. It's just, it's a new thing. It's a yeah. new thing. It's 2020. Of the things that you've built, obviously you won an Emmy. So you had a big year last year. What are some of the highlights for you on, on this show? Our Halloween show last year and our Christmas show. Our Christmas show, because what typically happens in this, in the daytime talk show um, is that if they do a series of Christmas shows, um, they usually tape all five shows in a row. We didn't have that opportunity last year because our bookings were kind of all over the place. Mm -hmm. So we had to like, build a Christmas set, take it down, <laughs> do a regular show, do another regular show, build the Christmas set, take it down, do a regular show, do a regular show, do a regular show, build the Christmas set. So we had to do, we had to put it up and take it down. Um, I actually, I think we did six shows last year. So six, six times. Um, we broke a lot of ornaments. Um, by, by the sixth show, we were like, it felt like we were like taping things together. Just cause we were like, it's, it's come down and up so many times. I was like, yeah. oh, how? Well, I laugh because I always think people at home, like, just imagine if you put your Christmas decorations up for your house and yeah. then had to take them all down and then put them up two days later and then do it again and then take them down. Like stuff gets bent, yeah. tweaked, moved, you know? Yeah. Well, and Michael, I think we had last year maybe 22 Christmas trees on set. That's crazy. So, and they went, from, they went from four feet high to 15 feet high. So, I mean, you know, and, and no easy task, I'm just saying. And as you know, there's no room backstage. So all of this Christmas had to leave the stage and then get transported to a tent you know, uh, on the other side of the lot. It was, uh, it, uh, And then you're hoping that nothing happens in the tent. Right, exactly. Which, which no one ever talks about. Like, everything's got to come back and be yeah. at least 
somewhat similar to what it was. And all, you absolutely, got to, you got to keep the trees alive, and you got but, to keep everything. You know, it's it's all about continuity. So you know, you've got to make sure. So you know, you're constantly looking at pictures all the time. I'm sure you even see your art department doing that, where they're looking at like Polaroids or whatever, and and making sure like, oh crap, that phone was there last time. Let's make sure it's there. So that continuity thing has to be there, even for something like a daytime talk show when you're talking about like a holiday set or something. You know, when we do it over and over and over again. So, you know, it's, it's a challenge, but, uh, you know, we, we rose to the occasion and, uh, and it paid off for us. People don't understand working on a, a daytime show like that. Everything happens so rapidly. There's such a difference in tone of who's on the show that day and what's going on. And then with everything that's going on in the world now, there's so many more personal layers. Mm-hmm. And then the stories that come in that you touch on shape the tone of a show too. Absolutely. Trying to match all of that and make it flow. And people have no concept of every piece, every item there that you see was thought about, was planned, was, you know, placed, was really specific. If you end up and you have some kitchen area, that's not Mm -hmm. just some space, that's specific to this and specific to what we're doing this time with it the couch, the chairs, the furniture, the walls behind. I love holidays on sets because everybody has to go all out. Uh-huh. Yeah, they yeah. do. And, and it's, you know, it's a bit of a cross between like fantasy land and like mass chaos. <laughs> it's so true. So true. But it's such a great time. And everybody's in the spirit and the mood. So, you know, here's what happens, you know, like when you talk about like putting Christmas up, taking it up, putting it up, taking it down, all that. Everybody's a little burnt out, but the minute it's all up and the lights go on, the lighting team has had their chance to like make their magic happen and the host walks on set and you know, the music is up and the audience is going, everything changes. And all of a sudden, you, you, your, your whole inside, everything, your core just is like, oh, <laughs> like, yeah. oh yeah, Christmas, right. And if you're having that passion, I feel like that's what shows through, right? Like that's what makes certain projects work too is the passion of the people involved that then comes through, through the television to yeah. the audience and people feel that energy, right? Because you can yes. feel when people are kind of half-hearted, you know, if somebody- 100%. Well, you know, there then lies the challenge for what's going on now because nobody can have audiences. Right. People are starting to figure it out, you know, watching Saturday Night Live, you can see that they've got some live people in there and, and they're trying, they're figuring it out. But for us, we knew going into season two um, that we were going to have to do it virtually. How do you do that virtually and still get that energy for the host and for the guests and, and whatnot? And I have to say, it, it's worked out much better than I think some of us thought it would. I think, you know, we didn't know. We've never had to do this, right? Our audiences now, they're, they're larger than life, right? Because you've got all these faces and it's all in real time. And I think what's great for us and for like our host and even our guests is that they can actually like really see people's faces now. Like they really see the person. And so when they're having that conversation or even when they turn and say something to the audience, you really see these faces. And I think the connection is still really there, which, you know, we were concerned about, like, will you still get the the clapping? Will it still feel the same? Will the laugh still feel the same? And although it's not, it's pretty close to it. And I think that uh, at least the way that we've set it up, we've been very fortunate that it's working out really well for us, but that's been a change. I mean, so many changes. Now for you, from a design standpoint, are you a big items first person or are you 
selective things that set a tone for you? I'm always fascinated. Ooh, uh, that is a really good question because I want to answer both, but 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 I mean it can be both. But I I, I would say. Or maybe maybe it's maybe it's one or the other depending on the set or something you know that strikes what, you. That's exactly what it is. It depends on on what it is. You know, sometimes it's the small little things that make all the difference because it's about a story that's happening. Like if we've got a human interest story and it's, you know, it's a little heavy visually, maybe it's like a small little like check that we printed out for ten thousand dollars or something, you know, but it's impacting somebody's life in a major way. But then it's like, um, you know, it's a, a giveaway show where we design some big rollout that comes from the doors open up and this rollout comes out and it's all these gifts and prizes. And it's like the big wow factor that, you know, is the money shot. Like, you know, that's where everybody's faces light up. And like, so it really just- you have those depends. moments, right? Like you have, this is what people don't just figure from a design standpoint is you're designing aha moment you're designing that absolutely tone and presentation of that magic moment that literally a lot of times on your show is going to change somebody's life uh-huh yes absolutely and, and there's a weight to that right and and it's exciting but there's also a weight to it like we have to present this and you can't do it the same way every time oh it's got to be different because otherwise it becomes you know you're fortunate enough that you have viewers that tune in every day right so if you give them the same thing, it, it loses that, that sort of oomph that you want. You're still, the person that you're giving it to is still going to be excited and happy, but you want the people who are actually receiving the gift to be just as excited and happy. So you, you want to be able to create something new every time. That wow moment, that wow factor that, you know, can happen with just a small little item, but then obviously something really big and major. So we're constantly having to try to, rethink it in fact you know there were a couple times last season where we were starting to fall into a routine of doing the same thing because we had already done it this way and it was easy and we could just do it again and you know i remember having that conversation about like we need to step it up like this is just too easy like what's the next way of doing this who because what we were doing was just a little bit of a better version of what others were doing so why don't we decide what the next way of doing that is and let everybody else try to copy us? I love that. Leading a department. How do you motivate your department? How do you get them excited? <laughs> Fear. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's usually in this business. There's a lot of, there's a lot of that, but no, really. <laughs> I, 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 some people might say that's true, but uh, uh, wow. Well, so first of all, I think that we all do it for each other. So, and, and that's no BS. That's super true. We, we're such a great tight little team. Some of the people that are on my team now came with me from another show. And, and so we're, all, we're a family. Yeah. So, you know, even, even when, uh, even if I'm being hard on somebody, they know that I'm doing it because I'm pushing them to do something better because we are better than that. And they know that, and I know it, um, but we all motivate each other. Um, we make fun of each other. Um, and that's part of what we do as a family. We, you know, are always ribbing on each other and, and you know, uh, making everybody step up to the plate when they're not stepping up. Uh, and I, I love I, that about us. I that's laugh because people who have never been in a crew, to me, it's the description of like, 
that super close group of friends where you can say almost anything to each other, mm-hmm. and, but nobody else better say anything like that to any of your no. teammates, right? Like I was a ball player too. You can say whatever you want to each other. Everyone knew it was with the idea of motivating and pushing and elevating right. and nobody wanted anybody to put out anything but their best. And so you have that comfort zone of like yeah. being able to be playful or be sarcastic or, or but no, nobody crosses a line into like mean or destructive. Right. Comfort, comfort zone is exactly the word. It's, that's how we are. We're so comfortable with each other that we can be honest with each other and get our point across. Even when we're, we're joking, half joking, um, and people just do it. And, but we, because we are such a great team and we're a family, we all know it's for everyone's best interest and best interest for the show as well. Um, but you're right. If somebody else steps on that ter- <laughs> in that territory or crosses that line, it's like, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. No, you can't say that. Uh-uh. No, no. You haven't earned that right. And, and we're not sure what you mean by that, right? Like here, <laughs> we know what we mean to each right. other, right? Right. It's like, you step out of the office, please. I don't know who you're talking to. <laughs> right now, what inspires you? What inspires me? I mean, that's a loaded question because it's so many different things. When I have to come up with something uh, like a theme show or something for the show that's themey, I, I start to go back to like, old movies or I go to like 80s music videos um, when I'm trying to be creative and come up with some sort of a design sometimes I just walk through a Home Depot and I'm just like I don't even know what the hell that is but it's weird and funky and I love that because you could do this with it even though that's not what it is I, I get inspired by like all sorts of, of different things um, you know I did um, one year for the Steve show for Christmas I had to present a, a Christmas idea and I said, listen, this is going to be like way out of the norm, but I just want to kind of throw this idea at you. I was in Palm Springs and I saw, I was at the store and they had all these yellow and pink and orange and green colored Christmas trees. And I thought, wow, what if we did like this mid-century modern Christmas Palm Springs feel for the show, for the Christmas shows? And he was like, I mean, that sounds, it sounds a little whack. But, you know, maybe. And I was like, trust me on this. And we put together, our team put together this beautiful mid-century Christmas that we did. You know, I got a hold of a company that made these artificial colored Christmas trees. And they were like, oh, my God, nobody's doing this. Thank you. Um, How many can we send you? And I was like, send me them all. And we did this beautiful, I was so proud, I still am, proud of that Christmas set because it started off the year before, a whole year before, on New Year's week in Palm Springs, because I, I go to Palm Springs for New Year's Eve, and being in the store and thinking, wow, I, that's something you don't see. You always see traditional Christmases, and this is kind of crazy and out there. And I mean, it's Palm Springs, and who doesn't want to be in Palm Springs at that time of the year, especially if you're in the Midwest or on the East Coast when it's cold and snowy, and, and it was well-received, and so, you know, sometimes it just comes from like the oddest, weirdest places, you know. Um, I still love to flip through fashion magazines. I mean, they, I get so many inspirational ideas from, you know, some of the great, beautiful advertising that's out there. So, I mean, it comes from all over the place. There's so much creativity and so often you use things that were never intended to be used that way. Absolutely. But you repurpose them and and 
that's where, I mean, some of the amazing talent and art really comes in is, you know, taking something designed for one thing, but really seeing all of the possibilities, seeing outside the box mm -hmm. and outside the lines, you know, and, and using it for something different. Great. What do you think your colleagues would say your best quality is? Uh, the ability to make everyone laugh. Awesome. So even in even in times that are a little jacked up, I try to turn things around and try to make light of it by making people laugh. It's kind of, it's something I've always done. It used to get me out of fights all the time when I was in grade school because um, I was, uh, I got picked on a lot in grade school and um, the way to get the bullies on my side was to make them laugh. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, uh, control some of the beatdowns uh, <laughs> based on whether I can make them laugh or not. So I think that that's something where, especially if I get a little nervous or things just aren't working out, I will try to turn it into something that uh, becomes a little funny. Sometimes it's extremely inappropriate, the time, the timing of it, but that makes it sometimes even funnier. And that's a great message for people. I think we all face bullies at some point in time in our life and, and you'll face them throughout your life. Oh, absolutely. And you have to learn your skill, right? Like humans have to learn their coping mechanisms, their defense mechanisms, and then you have to try and make sure that they become healthy as opposed to becoming negative, right? right. So in your case, you use humor. That was your way of diffusing a lot of these situations or, or making people laugh and, and switching it on them, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. And it becomes, it's so funny because that becomes a life skill that you can use in tough moments in a work environment, in a, in a conflict environment. Yep. And it has. I mean, I, I, I use it all the time. Uh, like I said, sometimes it seems like, oh, now's not the time, Kevin. <laughs> but it's like, I'm like, I don't know what else to do. <laughs> yeah, but sometimes that's the best because it's authentic. Otherwise, I'm going to cry. You know what yes. I mean? Yes. Sometimes the emotions don't seem to match the the situation but that's what makes it work is because it's authentic right because yeah. you're like this is who i am and and this is how i'm going to diffuse this or this is how i'm going to release the tension humor is a great way to release tension especially in a workplace i agree to also kind of cue in on where people are at and, and feel out how people are doing mm -hmm. and know when the time is to come and kind of talk to them head off that yep. the, the tension or the chaos and i think you get good at that the more time you spend with people I'm working on that. I, I'm a work in progress on that. Okay. I, I tend to, sometimes I can't read the room as well as I think I can. Um, and so, you know, I, I have to sometimes check myself and be like, Ooh, I'm going to come back to this in a little bit. This seems like the wrong time right now. <laughs> Kevin, what's your passion outside of work? So I found a new passion now that I'm out here out on the West Coast and it's this hiking. I mean, it's not something we have in Chicago. So uh, at least not in the city of Chicago. So out here, I found hiking is like my, my thing. And so I have a, a group of friends that every Sunday, we try to find a new place to go. We'll, we'll drive all the way down by uh, Orange County and go hiking down there. We'll drive all the way up past Malibu. We'll go east towards the desert. I'm trying to find something new and fun and creative uh, and trying not to do the same one every Sunday. Yeah. Um, it's given me the opportunity to see so much more of LA. My first couple of years of living here, I was working so much that I didn't have a chance to really explore and get a taste of what LA really was all about. And so now I'm finally doing that. And that 
that's, I love that. I love that part. I didn't expect that to be a thing. Uh, I never really saw myself as an outdoorsy kind of guy, but you know, I found, I found some cute outfits and I found some great trails and, and I got my water bottle and I'm ready to go. I love hiking and I'm the guy who like, I'll take people who don't normally go hiking. And then I try to like make sure I don't overdo it. I just like to explore. I, I think there's something about not knowing what you're going to find and, and yeah. exploring new areas. And in California in particular, it, it kind of lends itself to just kind of going and exploring and trying a new trail and finding a new place. It's so, it's so cool. It's so cool to have that. I mean, what a, one of the great, well, there are many great things about living out here in California, but I love the fact that you go one way and it could get a little cold and snowy. You go the other way and it's all desert and hot. You go more west and you're hitting all the water and the, and the beaches. And I mean, it's just, it's so good. In Chicago, we go one way and it's cold. So, <laughs> you know, I like that there's all these other opportunities. Do you feel that you try to bring things from different areas into certain elements of the show from time to time? Do you feel that you know a guest is from an area or you know there's a, a background here and then you try to add that dynamic to the set? If you can, I would. There have been times over the last uh, few years for both shows that I've worked on where um, we've had the opportunity to sort of tailor make it in a way that makes them feel like there's a slice of where they're from. Um, we do a lot of like cooking segments and some DIY stuff on the show. And so, for instance, Nick Jonas was on uh, last season and we brought um, on a, a food a chef who's an Indian chef to teach him how to make um, Indian food for his new wife. Perfect. You know, and so that like that made sense. You know, when we have somebody from Chicago, we you know we may bring it, fly in some pizzas and like do something that has to do with either Garrett's popcorn or deep dish pizza. You know, just to like throw that out there. So we'll try to tailor make it. We don't want to make it corny or hokey, uh, but if it works with the script and with uh, what we're talking about. Um, it's actually a great fun thing to do because it, it makes a connection and it ha helps them to really fall more in love with us and be like, I want to come back. I want to come back to that show because they took really good care of me last time. You know, it's funny. That just made me think of another thing. Um, when I first got out here, I went to um, a couple different shows. I had friends who were working on different shows. And one of the things that I noticed were like green rooms were not really great. And like the celebrity green rooms were kind of, I don't know, they, they weren't that great. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Exactly. And you're like, and I thought, well, man, wouldn't it be cool if we gave them a completely different experience here on the show? And so we went all out. And I got to tell you, I am so proud of the fact that when people are in our green rooms, they comment all the time. I'm like, wow, these are great green rooms. I mean, I went out and got like, Pac-Man, Miss Pac-Man, Donkey Kong arcade machines, loaded up with great furniture and artwork. And like, we really went all out. I'm really proud of our green rooms. If you're ever, uh, ever on the, the lot here, find me. I'm going to, I'm going to give you a tour of the green rooms. How have I missed this experience? When, when, when am I getting invited? Because I, I will tell you, you know, that's an example. That's an attention to detail thing, but it's, it's yeah. pride in what you do. Well, and it sets a tone though too, yes. I yes. think. Yes. I think 100%. if you, yeah, if you're coming on and let's just say you're having a shitty day, but you've got to go plug some movie, but we just plopped you down in this really cool room and you're chilling for a little bit. It could change you completely. 
now you're in a better place when you go out on that yeah. stage to have that conversation. And it, it makes a huge 100%. difference. It sets, I, I, you know, listen, our whole thing here is about having fun. Kelly said right in the beginning when we all joined the team, she said, you know what? I don't want any jerks working here. This environment needs to be fun, collaborative, and friendly, and, and every, it needs to start from the top and work its way all the way down. Everybody's got to be on the same page. And I feel like that's one of those things. We, we want to make sure that whoever walks into this building has a top-notch experience from the beginning to the end. Portraits that we take backstage that are kind of fun and quirky, their own mill style. Um, and people really love doing them because they're just different and crazy and fun. And, you know, we weren't really even sure people would be like lining up to do it, you know, because everyone's busy and they've got to get from A to B and do this in the middle. But people wait and they do the they do the portraits and you know they love the rooms and they love the gift bags. And then here's the best part: they come out and have an amazing time on set with Kelly. We love that. We want to make sure that that experience from beginning to end is amazing. And my team has a role in that. And we take pride in that, 100%. Setting a tone from the top to the bottom, you know, in the productions that, that I'm trying to get off the ground, that's something we talk about all the time is, you know, setting a tone and making sure people feel valued the whole way and that we right. set the tone for what it's supposed to be. Because if you love where you work and people come with the right attitude, you're going to get their best work and you're going to get the best moments. What is the first thing you want to see on a call sheet? Breakfast. Um, <laughs> um, the first thing I look for on a call sheet, because what's important to me, is right. the director's meeting. Okay. That to me is super important because, you know, in our world, things change a lot. And I know by the time we get to the director's meeting, if there's anything that's changed, he will know about it. Even though I should know about it, sometimes it doesn't work that well or right. way. And so I know that if we're sitting in the director's meeting and, and, and we're going over everything and it's matching up with everything I have, it's just one sort of like, that's my opportunity of saying, okay, check. That's good. That show is good to go. Let's go ahead and focus on the next show. Whereas if I sit, sit there and it happens sometimes and I'm hearing things for the first time, now I've got to go figure that all out. Like, what is this? Wait, wait a minute. This yeah. Motorcycle jacket comes from where and who's wearing it? Can they wear it? Is it their size? You know, all those things that people are like, oh, I didn't think about that. Like, uh, well, yeah. <laughs> you could could be important. <laughs> That to me is the opportunity for 15 to 20 minutes for him to review everything. And I know that we're good to go and we can move on to other things. So that's important for me because I have to like have conversations while the stage hands and make sure that they understand the dance. There's a dance that we do every day in terms of, okay, at this moment, these doors have to open and then they have to close. And then this has to come out. And then, oh gosh, by the way, we're going to drop this from the ceiling and it's going to land right here. And it's got to stop at this mark. And then it's got to fly up and get out of the way right after this happens. And then, oh, great. So this guest is coming out, but we're also going to surprise them with this thing from over on this side. And it's coming from that side of the stage. And so, once I have clearance from the director of everything is what it's supposed to be, then I can go and kind of make sure everybody else knows their piece of the dance so that I can move on and get the next, the next party started. On the flip side, what is the last thing you want to see on a call sheet? What is the last thing I want to see on a call sheet? Anytime we have to make up something for another show. So yes, 
right? Yeah. I, preach, because I'm with you on that. Anytime you got to go back in time, go forward in time, make up something, <laughs> fix that. We have to do this segment that has to fit in. Here. Yes. Yeah. Like, and everybody has the same reaction. It's like, uh, it's, it's so like true. It's so like true. And then everybody does the like, uh, what do I have to see? And people at home don't know that that's a thing that because they never see that, of course, you know, sometimes you have to like recreate a moment that, you know, you may not have everything. Like, we, what do you mean that didn't work out? We threw that away. Right. Um, okay. Um, well, we'll, we'll pull something together. You know, you're like <laughs> scrambling. Yeah. People don't understand. Cause all of a sudden you go, I got to go back in time to that moment. And you're like, what do you mean? The video, the audio, the whatever it was, or yes. that, that didn't read or that didn't pass approval. Right. And you're like, so we have to redo that moment. They're coming in in an hour. Yep. Do you have all the stuff that you, you that you used? And you're like, no, we moved on. That's five shows ago by now. Exactly. We moved on. Like, oh, gosh. Okay, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Because that's what we do. <laughs> I totally get that one. People, people in the business will get that. Now, the audience who watches this will totally understand. What is your favorite thing to see at craft services? Okay. I know, and you're a foodie, so I, I can't yeah. wait for the answer. Like, no, I'm like, this, I, I don't know. This might throw you off. Okay. Um, so we used to have, you know, craft services has changed now a bit. So it's yeah. all a little, it's all a little wonk, but let's go back to a, a, a happier time. Right. Um, when craft services was all over the place. Um, so they would make these apple slices that would have peanut butter and raisin in the middle between two slices of apple. I know what you're talking about. I, would, I that and the maple bacon. Yeah, I know. And you're, and again, some of it just looks so simple. The apple slices thing looks like nothing. And, and it looks kind of like a, it sometimes looks like a mess and then you eat it and you're like, it's, it's like an it's explosion, right? And it's you just delicious. Go, yeah. And you're, you're just happy. <laughs> the maple bacon thing, I didn't even know that was a thing. And everybody was lining up for like the maple bacon. And I was like, what is, what is maple bacon? I'm sh from Chicago, man. We just eat our bacon. Right. Bacon. And then I was like, oh, this, this is not something I can have every day. This is a little over the top. It's like brown sugar and maple syrup on, baked into the bacon. And it is a delicious moment, but like that can't, you can't not. You can't yeah, it can't be a regular thing. <laughs> no way. Here's the flip side of it though. What do you hate to see at craft services? <sighs> Red vines. I'm a Twizzlers guy. Okay. I, I like Twizzlers. Everybody out here is red vines. <laughs> I'm just saying. Okay. I mean, I listen, you know. So you want, so, so a thank you from Michael. I should send you a really big box of red vines. No red vines. No red vines. Gosh. <laughs> Twizzlers, man. I keep, I keep saying, I, I'm going to get Twizzlers and bring them one day for everyone to try because you know, so many people, they're, they're true LA Californians out here and they're, and they stick to those red vines. They, they will not budge, but I'm telling you, I'm going to switch them one day right. and no one's going to know um, after this COVID thing goes away. I won't do it ahead of time because that won't be protocol, but right. I'm going to do it. And everyone's going to be like these, why do these taste so different and so good? Kevin, how do you define success? That's a tough one. I'll tell you where I went initially where my head went when you asked that. And I don't know, I don't know if people take it the wrong way through happiness. So 
I don't, I don't think it has to be about money or it has to be about position. Um, I think you're successful when you're happy. And sometimes that could be hanging out with your best friend, talking about old times. That could be that moment when you're FaceTiming with your, your mom and dad and you're reconnecting about some, you know, something that's happening to them right now at home. It could be, you know, that moment here at work when everything clicks and we have a great day. I think happy, I, I think success is when you're happy. And I, I, I think that it comes in so many different packages, big and small. And the reason why I hesitated is because you, when they hear the word success, they think financially, they think in terms of where they are in their career, you know, yeah. are they the, the head honcho or are they the best actor or whatever? And I think success is, is something you have to feel inside and, and you have to find it yourself. It's not something somebody can give you. People, I think, look for it. I think they expect somebody to make help them become successful in whatever way. I think you're successful, the most successful, when you're happy and whatever it is that makes you happy. And I think for me, it's all kinds of different moments in all throughout the day. Yeah, I'm a dad, and and I've always told people, but when I also when I try to mentor people coming into this business, how do you go about this? How do you how do you stay up because this business is a bit of a roller coaster and you can be working on a show and it can get canceled and things change rapidly. And there's stuff that happens behind the scenes that no one ever knows, but they, they can be chaotic. And some of them are beautifully chaotic and some of them are tough. I've always said that if you're not enough without it, you'll never be enough with it. And yes. the thing is you define the it, but you have to be able to look at it really and say, if you're doing it for everybody else's approval, if you're doing it for the award or for all that, you'll get it maybe, but, but, but you won't be there. You'll be successful. You're nailing it, by the way. You'll be successful in a way, but, right. but what, is that, what is the price of that success? And, and that's why I feel like, for me, it's the, the happy part. It's just being content and happy is what is successful. Because everybody, not everybody, but most people, they're, especially out here in this business, they're striving for that success. And for me, um, even for somebody who was at one point a little bit in front of the camera, I have found my happy place is right back here where I'm at sort of working behind the scenes and doing all of this stuff. That's what makes me happy. That's success for me. I, I love performing. I, I love it. But success to me in front of the camera is, it's the moment where you take someone's breath away. Yeah. It's the yeah. moment where people can't describe to you how they feel. It's doing a scene so good that you almost can't remember what you just did because you were just so involved with the other person. On the technical side, being behind the camera, it's fixing that chaotic moment and making it look smooth. It's the beauty of collaborating a bunch of people together when I'm in a leadership role. We make something beautiful come together and yeah. no one has any idea that we just had to string together a million things and this scheduling problem happened and that thing over there didn't work exactly the way it was planned, but it worked enough for us to show the world what we needed. Yeah. I used to laugh, you know, the most successful of my, of my moments sometimes was the moment I came home and my kids met me at the door because it meant I did something right both before I left and throughout the day to make sure they knew they mattered mm -hmm. 
and I had connected in that way when I walked in. You know, success is such a unique thing for each individual. But yeah. you know, I, I believe if you're not enough without it, you'll never be enough with it. I love those words. This that, that's that's strong, man. That's powerful. Okay, now Good. I always ask people based on your definition, how are you measuring up to your definition of success? Well, because it is about being happy, I am, I'm doing, I'm doing pretty good because what I've learned um, in the last couple of years, well, really since I came out here and it goes back to the whole hiking on Sundays is finding that time to do things that bring sort of happiness to me. Whether I love that. Health and happiness. I'm, I've never been that person. I have, you know, I, I, I left the fashion world because I was burnt out. I had done it all. I had traveled. I couldn't hold on to a relationship because I wasn't home long enough. Um, I was just about making that money, that coin, uh, traveling and, you know, just. And can can I say other people were probably looking at you saying, Oh, he's got everything. He's got it all. Right. I did. I felt like I had nothing. Right. And I want people to hear that because I want people it's so honest, Kevin. It means so much because if nothing else from each one of these shows, we get to experience somebody else's perception of the world. And I think that's such a valuable thing because in our business, it's really easy for people to fall into, well, they're successful for whatever monetary appearance reason. And man, it's so deep and so brilliant. I'm I'm so happy for you that, that you're experiencing this joy yeah. And, and it's, and it's, thank you. I appreciate that. And it, and I didn't expect it. I actually thought I was going to come out here and continue to just be that person who's driving to like work, 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 work. And I finally was like, wait a minute, I've got all of this beauty around me. And it took like the first two years. I was like, wait, I got to stop. I got to stop, slow down and really start to enjoy this. Um, you know, this, this COVID thing has sort of put, you know, a bit of a kibosh on certain things, but the hiking thing has been great for me during this COVID because I'm able to go off, drive off somewhere where there's really nobody else. And we go in our little group and go hiking and, and really enjoy the nature and just things I just didn't do before. I'm so glad that I did. So that's, that would be my answer to that. It was such a a strong answer. I I hope people really take that to heart because it should resonate with people. It certainly resonates with me. All right, now what's the one thing that you want on every set? Does it have to be a physical thing? Oh no, see, I leave them open-ended on purpose. I, let, I, I, that's, I thought long and hard about these questions. I try to leave them so that the individual can create the space that they want. What I want on, on every set is pride. And, and I mean that in so many different ways. I want everyone to be proud of who they are proud of what they do, proud of the work that they're doing and delivering. I think that pride is, is something that um, some people just come in and they, they punch in, they do their job, they punch out and they leave. I, I love it when I see our cameramen are like really into it and will even sometimes make some suggestions like to our director, like, hey, what if we do this and come in this way? You know, I love it when our lighting director is you know, saying, hey, let's do this different. Like, that's, that's taking pride in your job. I love that. I love, you know, when people on my own team are doing something that are, is changing it up a little bit because they're proud of what they do. Like, 
but then, like you said, it's even bigger than that. It's like pride of who these people are. I'm proud of the fact that I'm this person and that person and, you know, pride. That's, that's what I, 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 I love that answer. And again, it's not something I've heard. This audience will hear this for the first time, but pride to me, it means so much. Like, especially when I'm in a leadership role, when I'm directing or producing, I don't care where the best idea comes from. So I love when a cameraman mm -hmm. turns to me as a director and says, oh, that, you know, I, I want you to do the things that I'm kind of guiding for and, and be professional in that way. But I want you, if you see something amazing, right. that's going to make this project better. Let's use your, take pride in what you're doing. Let's use your 100%. skill, use your gift when everybody takes pride. And I, I love it. And I, I'm glad that you understand what I'm talking about because oh, yeah. it makes everybody successful. Like everybody wins. Yeah. And there's pride. And you get the magic feel, moment. Yeah, absolutely. And you can feel it when people don't have pride in what they're doing. You can, you see it, you feel it. And, you know, and, and then there lies the, the journey of how do you get them back to being proud of what they're doing? Like, is that, is that a journey you can help them get back to, you know? Now I'm going to ask you again, on the flip side, what is the one thing that you would eliminate from a set? <laughs> I like it. I see when you laugh, I just want to know the answer. I want you to just blurt it out. I'm going to say, I'm gonna say um, um, uh, P PR people. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you do an interview show, I used to work on a, on a talk show and I did segments. I love PR people. I have some great friends who are in PR, but when you work on a set like you do, man, they can change things in a hurry and make things very difficult. <laughs> yep. Yep. And they're always standing there. They're off to the side and, and they're just judging. They're well, just judging. It's their job. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's what they're doing. They're judging and they're making sure that uh, everything is being, all the notes are being hit upon, that they're saying the right thing, that we're doing this, that that's being shown. And you're like, oh gosh, okay already. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're fine. But I, 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 you know, if I had my way, <laughs> and right now with COVID, there's only a certain number of people who are allowed to be on set, as you know. Right. Um, so they're not allowed. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that changes things a little bit. And, and that's one of those things because they come from the outside with a really specific targeted point of view or perspective. They definitely can take on a much different tone. Okay. What's the best gift you've ever gotten from a project? Well, for me, so I used to do surprise home makeovers and we'd always do it for a, a, a deserving family. Every one of them were different stories, but they were all deserving in their own way. And the best part of that is, is, the, is the thank you, is not even the thank you, it's the joy um, that you see in their face when they, they walk in for the first time and they see everything that you've, that you've given them because it, it gives them some sort of validation that somebody cared, they're cared seen. enough to do this. They're seen, they're valued, yep, what, the, what matters to them. And yeah, absolutely, 100%. That to me is the best gift, man. Oh, that's awesome. That's, yeah. I love that. That's a feeling that. Oh, know, if, I could do, if I could do a home makeover show, Kevin, if we could do a home makeover show together, I would love to do that week in and week out. It, it's, I mean, it brings you to tears. I mean, you, yeah. you know, uh, I, I don't normally consider myself to be a guy with a lot of feelings, but I'll tell you that gets me every time because 
It's so genuine. You know, for me, we get into it. We get, the team gets together. We decide we're going to do this and get this and order this and get this delivered. And let's now we've got three nights to get in there and put this all together. And you're just go, 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 go. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh crap. Okay. Now they're coming. They're, they're coming here. Okay. And you sort of step to the side and you do sort of that presentation, like, you know, welcome home, you know, we've been, and immediately you just see on their faces, like, you know, you've, you've, changed you've changed their lives sometimes uh, even though you're thinking well gosh it's just like a new living room and a christmas tree and some gifts under the tree but it's something they didn't have before and they weren't gonna have so yeah. that's i love that feeling i i'm a um i'm such a giver i'm a quintessential like small things details things that matter because it was a really brief period of my life where i was homeless um, really twice. And I think what it did is it, it left a lasting impression for me of what home means. Yeah. And for me, home is home is the little thing that you count on or that makes your day brings you happiness. Like you mentioned before, home is also the person, the, the, yeah, the, sure. you know, that the, the person you want to hold hands with at the end of the day, the hug that you want to get, the, picture of a family member who maybe isn't here anymore that sits in a specific place because it it brings resonance and memories to you like there's all these little things that I think you capture those moments when you're doing something like that and I think that's the real beauty is it means you really saw that person you really listened and you made it home for them mm -hmm. yeah it's that's a good feeling it's yeah, a good feeling awesome. and I'll tell you if you ever get a chance to work on a show like that do it, man. Jump on, jump on that opportunity. Oh, I, that's on my list. I, I have two projects that I'm trying really hard to get going because for me, call me. Oh yeah, you're in. <laughs> All right, Kevin. You remember, I, I'm gonna call you and and perfect. I got. I listen. I, I've done a lot of them. Okay, well, I, I know how to do it. Synchronicity, you know, I was given your name. You came to me. We come to do this interview. Now we may know an extra reason why. So I love it. There's always a reason. Yep. How do you want the people that you work with to remember you? Mm. Um, as being a loyal leader. And let me, let me tell you what I mean by that. I am, loyalty is, uh, has always been a big thing for me, like in, in my, with my friends, um, and definitely with my, my coworkers. Um, and as a leader, I take pride in the fact that I stand up for my team no matter what. That is my team. You come at me, don't ever come at them. Um, you deal with me. And I will go to bat 100%. I will sit in meetings and say no to something if it's going to put my team in a situation that's not good for them. If it's going to overwork them or make them crazy, I will stand up and say, this is crazy and I'm not putting these guys through it. I know that they would say that that's what I do and who I am. That's very important to me. And uh, I've worked for uh, so many people who were not loyal um, who would throw their team under the bus in order to save themselves and make themselves look good. Um, I would, I would take the fall for anyone on my team uh, before I ever let them take the fall. I think that's so beautiful. Loyalty is such a huge, it's a life thing for me. Um, and I've been, 
you know, in this business, I've gotten to be the actor, but I've also been the director. I'm never going to sell anybody out. I'm going to, you know, I've had to go to a producer and say, we need one more take. And I know it's because maybe the focus wasn't sharp or maybe a cameraman missed an assignment or somebody missed a, a moment technically. Mm-hmm. No, that's mine. I need another one. I'll own it. Right. Nobody needs to know what the reason is. That's my job to take loyalty and leadership in that role. You know, I've coached kids for almost 20 years. I was a high school baseball coach for almost a decade and I never sold out my players. And when they made mistakes, I always believed I'd listen to other coaches. And the minute somebody make a mistake, they'd go, Oh, you know, we worked on that at practice. Right. To me, that was them going, don't look at me. It's not my fault. I taught them how to do it right. Like, no, be loyal and own that moment and actually show real leadership and stand there and be like, okay, let's get the next one. Right. Like, okay, what are we going to do about it? Right. Mistakes are going to happen. Challenges are going to come. We're human beings. So there's this moment where you're never going to go all out for somebody that sells you out at the first moment. And that's for me, that's what family means too, is loyalty is like, if you work on my team, you know, I, I worked in a prop department and I, I helped hire people and I worked set design and I've built a lot of sets too. And, I ran the the motliest crew of guys. Every guy in my crew at one point for like four years, everybody had at least one felony. I had all guys who had been in gangs and been part of organized crime at some point in their past and were trying to make a transition to a different life. And we would walk in and people were like, who's your group? And I'm like, you don't understand. Every one of those people is loyal. Yep. Yep. They're loyal. They will do their job. They will show up. They will make it happen. And if it's possible, we'll get it done. Mm-hmm. And they will never let me down because I will never let them down. Right. 100%. And I, I, I just told somebody the other day, I worked a job where somebody asked me to change my group. And I said, well, I really enjoyed working here because that's not who I am. Wow. Right. And, and loyal... Kevin, loyal is like in the list of words, in the pantheon of like great things that you're going to build on in this life, man, for your team to know that about you, you've given them the greatest gift. I hope so. What is the legacy that you want your loved ones to take from your life? Um, I would, I would want everyone to say, um, man, he did it his way. He did not go by any book, any instructions. He found the path his way. Cause I've gone, I've done so many different things. And I, we, we, in the beginning, we started talking about like all these different roads, you know, that you've taken, that I've taken, I've taken so many different roads, but I've, I've always landed in a really cool spot. And I mean, I've waited tables and bartended. Um, I've worked in landscaping, um, you know, but I've also been a corporate person and now I'm a TV person. Like, you know, I've done all of these different things and then followed absolutely no rules. And I think that's, I would, I'd be happy if people were like, man, he did his own fucking thing, man. He just figured it out on his own and just did it. You know, I, I left uh, college before I graduated because I started to see these opportunities jump, uh, come my way. And I was like, I'm jumping onto them. I'm taking this train. I'm going, man. I'm going to start doing this because I don't know if this opportunity is going to be here in a year from now when I get done with school. Um, and I never looked back. 
I never looked back. I, I'm such an education person. I have one kid in college and one headed to college. So it's so. I believe dangerous. that you have a. We that just that I blows know. my mind. Well, I, got, I I I got married really early and had kids really early, but at the great risk of warping my kids, because I've always been like, you know, try to get an education. There's something to be said for knowing what you want and just following your course. Yeah. And, and I, I'm a huge proponent of education, but you kind of have to know where your education's getting you and what mm-hmm. you want. And I think that education doesn't stop. It's not four walls in a, in a building. Education is every day. If we're doing every day. Yes. And, I love that. You did it your way, right? It, for me, I, you listen, school was just never my thing. Like, you know, I struggled so hard. Uh, I'm sure now if I got tested, I would have a bunch of different learning disabilities that weren't even around back then. Um, I'm sure I got them all. But it just, you know, I really struggled to get my A's and my B's and my C's. Like, you know, I really did. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to the school of life. I'm going to get out there. I'm going to take every course that comes my way. And I'm going to ace it. Love it. All those things that I think sometimes we label people now, those are the same skills that you're using to ace life, right? Like I joke with people, my ADD makes me really good at certain aspects of what we do. Absolutely. Right? Like my OCD, when it comes to certain things, I'm like, those aren't matching and those don't work. And and we're going to set this up and that scene doesn't fit right. We're going to need to make a small adjustment Mm -hmm. or like those shots don't match up. I know we did them before. Go back and check it because our angle's just a little off and people look at me like, come on, man. They're, and, and then they come back and they're like, yeah, we were just a little off. Totally. And, and I think all of those things are a gift, right? I think sometimes with kids now, we push some of that out of them where it's like, no, no, you have to figure out who you are and find out how that informs your world and how you yeah. use it to maximize your growth and potential. Like ace life. Listen, there's a, there's a lot to be said about the life lessons that you learn out on the street. Yeah. You know, some things just cannot be taught in a book. No, a lot of things. And I, I, I dare to say that sometimes we evaluate people based on what a piece of paper says. Mm-hmm. And in my experience, I've worked with all types and I've worked with people who've gone to the greatest schools. And then I've worked my way through a lot of stuff. You know, I, I wanted to go to some of those schools and I qualified to get in, but I had other things going on in my life and that my path was different. And I think I'm better for it in some ways mm-hmm. because I've had to find another way, right? Nobody just showed me an easy path or gave it to me. I had to really battle and battling is good for you. Yeah, it absolutely is. Uh, this has been so amazing, Kevin. I'm so happy that you came on Fish's Call Sheet. Thank you for sharing your multitude of experience, um, your incredible wisdom. Uh, I hope people take from this having pride in what they do. Listen, thank you. This is great what you're doing. You're really shining a light on the behind the scenes stuff. And I love that you're doing this. I was so excited when I heard this was even a possibility that we were going to do this. Um, and so I'm just blessed that we were able to make this happen today. I so thoroughly enjoyed myself. So thank oh, you. Yeah. And I'm going to pick on you in the future. I'm going to stay in contact. And if I can, if I can launch those shows, I have a kindred spirit who wants to make people's day. I love that. Give me a call. All right. Thanks for coming on Fish's Call Sheet. Thank you.
Thanks for checking out Fish's Call Sheet. I uh, hope you're enjoying this podcast. We have a lot of other episodes where we cover a lot of different categories in our entertainment industry, but I'm so happy to celebrate all the people who make production possible. If you'd like more, or if you'd like to see some of the video with some of the visuals, you can always check us out at any of our social medias at Fish's Call Sheet, or check us out on YouTube, 